So in 2 Timothy 2, we read these words in verse 3 to 4. It says, Endure hardship with us, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Back in 1968, much to my dad's displeasure, I actually joined the army and became a British soldier. Fast forward that to 1973, to my dad's greater displeasure, I became a Christian. And in doing so, I became a soldier again, but this time I became a soldier of Christ. Now I mention all that because I want us to remind us tonight that we need to see that if we are believers in Christ here tonight, then we are soldiers of Christ. And yet, I say all that because we seem to have forgotten this spiritual truth to uh, loss, really. For instance, when did we last sing Onward Christian Soldiers Marching As to War? Or Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, You Soldiers of the Cross? Or soldiers of Christ, arise, put your armor on. Or chosen to be soldiers in an alien land. We need to remind ourselves tonight that we are Christian soldiers. But the question is this, are we a good soldier? It says here in this passage, endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now I've got an army, a little red army record book at home. Well actually I haven't. It's, I've given it, passed it on to my son now. But anyway, in the army record book it tells you my name, my rank and my number. It also tells you where I was posted in different parts in the army and also what medals I got. Now I want to say I didn't get any medals for bravery. But I got them for active service. But inside the book, it's got military conduct. And then it says, very good. Now I'm not boasting here. Because I don't believe I was a very good soldier. I wasn't a very good shot with my rifle. Um, I certainly wasn't very good at map reading. I wasn't very good at working the radio. I'm not an IT person. And really, I wasn't that very fit. So why was I very good? Because I was disciplined. Which is all important for a natural soldier. And we need to see it's also important for us as a Christian soldier. Even though it's become a bit out of fashion today when you talk about discipleship and about discipline. But I want to note tonight that a good soldier then is someone who is firstly disciplined in following orders, secondly is diligent in fighting the enemy, because we have an enemy, and thirdly is determined to finish well 
in the conflict that we're involved in. And I say that because you and I are involved in a spiritual conflict. So let's firstly, a good soldier is someone who is disciplined in following orders. Now, verse 4, notice it says, he wants to please his commanding officer. And the one thing that pleases the commanding officer is doing what he says. Now, the British Army is still regarded as one of the best in the world. Why? Not because of its numbers. We're quite a small army now. Not because of its equipment. We're always run down on our equipment. And not because of its expertise, but because of its discipline in carrying out orders. When I was in training in the army back in 68, we, we started training with 36 men. We ended up at the end with 14 of us. Now, people dropped out for various reasons, but one of the reasons for some was they didn't like being told what to do. <laughs> I don't know why they joined up in the first place, but that was one of the reasons. And, you know, as Christian soldiers, our love and loyalty to the captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus, is best expressed by our obedience to him. It's one thing to say, isn't it, that we love the Lord. It's another thing to prove that love by our, test, uh, our trust and obedience to him. It's an old chorus that we used to sing. Trust and obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Now we know that we don't always trust and obey. We know that as believers. But the important thing is that we have a desire that we want to trust and we want to obey. That's the important thing. So what can help us in our discipline? Well, I've put two things down here. Firstly, to remind ourselves that we are a chosen people. Now, in verse 4, in the authorised version, it says this, he wants to please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. In the New King James, it says, who has enlisted him to be a soldier. A reminder to us that God is the one who calls and chooses us in the first place. Now, when I joined the army back in 68, it was my choice. And yet there are times when people are constricted and called up and they have no choice, especially when there's a war on. But, you know, as Christian soldiers, we experience both. We make our choice, and yet we are conscripted. We talk about making a decision for Christ or making a commitment to Christ, but, you know, we only do so because God, first of all, calls and chooses us to himself. And that's what we need to remind ourselves tonight. We're being enlisted. We're those, you could say, who are being handpicked by God himself. Now, I think one of, one of the most amazing verses in the Bible, uh, where there's lots of amazing verses, but Ephesians 1.4 says, talking about our position in Christ, it says, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Before God made anything, He chose you and me. 
It was Spurgeon, the famous Baptist preacher, who said, he must have chosen me before I was born because he would not have chosen me afterwards. We are a chosen people. Peter says these words, you are a chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Do you ever ask yourself that question, why me? Yeah, why do I come to church each Sunday? Am I more religious than other people? No. Why? I've been enlisted for a purpose. And that purpose is to follow my captain, to fight the enemy, to finish well in the conflict. So we're a chosen people, that helps us. But also we're a committed people. Again, you'll understand why I've, I've chosen this uh, uh, picture as a soldier, because of my own situation in the past. When I joined the army, I signed up for six years. And what I was doing is I was saying, queen and country was now first in my life. I was saying I'm no longer a civilian, I, I'm a soldier. I was saying the next six years belong to the army and not to me. When we come to Christ, we say similar things, don't we? Jesus is now first in my life. I'm no longer my own anymore. The rest of my life belongs to him and him alone. Well, it should do anyway. And such a commitment is not just for a, per, a period of time, but it's for life. Now, after four and a half years, I actually brought myself out of the army. But we can't do that as a Christian soldier. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes 8, uh, verse 8, which says, No one is discharged in time of war. Likewise, there's no discharge in the spiritual conflict that we're involved in. For this spiritual war goes on and on and on. The moment we become a Christian, we're automatically involved in this conflict. Our discharge will only come at the end of our life or if Jesus comes back first. So a good soldier is someone who is disciplined and following orders. So secondly, the good soldier is someone who is diligent in fighting the enemy. Again, going back to my own experience when I was in training in the army, the message was drummed into us again and again in training. You must know your enemy. When I went to Northern Ireland in 1972, it was drummed into us, know your enemy, the RRA. When the army went to Afghanistan, it was drummed into them, know your enemy, the Taliban. And likewise, we need to know the enemy of our soul spiritually. Who he is, what he is like, how he works. You know, as evangelical Christians, we know who our enemy is, and yet we often live as if he doesn't exist. That's a truth. And we suffer the consequences because of it. Who is the enemy? None other than the devil, Satan, the evil one. The Bible calls him the ruler of darkness, the god of this world. He's likened to a roaring lion, a subtle serpent, an angel of light. The Bible calls him a liar, a deceiver, an accuser, a murderer, a tempter. And as the enemies of our souls, we need to see he is more stronger than we are. He is more cleverer than we are. And he's more committed than we are. He takes no holidays. He has no days off. And he has no scruples either. His aim is to distract us, deceive us, and if he can, destroy us. 
Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.11. He talks about the, the enemy. He said, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. I wonder tonight whether you're aware of his schemes. Thomas Brooks, an old Puritan, wrote a lovely book called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And he says this about Satan's deceptive ways. He always promises the best, but always pays the worst. He always promises honour, but always pays with disgrace. He always promises pleasure, but always pays with pain. He always promises profit, but always pays with loss. He always pray, promises life, but always pays with death. His greatest deception is to keep people from getting converted. If he can't do that, he will get us diverted. Diverted from what? From the worship of our God, from the word of God, from the work of God, and even from our walk with God. He is a great deceiver. And is also a great tempter as well. And I'm sure if you're a Christian here tonight, you're a believer in Christ, you know what I'm talking about. You know his tempting ways, don't you? Though we have to remember the temptation he uses for you will not be the same temptation he uses for me or someone else. Sometimes, but not always. And let's not forget this when we think of his tempting ways. James Phillips wrote a lovely book about the Christian armour. He said, It's no sign when we come under attack from the enemy that we are failing as Christians. Being troubled by temptation does not mean we are not living the Christian life properly. In fact, it might mean the exact opposite. For it is precisely when we are what we should be that Satan will turn his attention upon us. As an old Puritan said it, he that standeth near the captain is always a sure target for the archers. And of course, along with him being a deceiver and a tempter, he's also an accuser. And many of us know his accusations, especially when we, we give in to temptation, we fall and we fail. And then he comes and torments us of our sin and of our failure. But remember this, when he points us to our sin, and our shortcomings, and our defeats. We need to practice to point him to the cross and his defeat. We often sing in one of the, the songs, don't we, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Friends, let's remind ourselves tonight, if Jesus is our Lord and Saviour, if he is one sense our best friend, then we can be sure Satan will be our worst enemy. Again, I quoted him a number of times. Spurgeon said there's something very comforting in the thought that the devil is my enemy. He said, I would rather have him as an enemy than a friend. So let's be sure that the enemy of our souls is out to distract and deny the truth of God's word, is out to depress and dampen the enthusiasm of God's work, is out to discourage the effectiveness of God's church, and is out to discredit the testimony of God's people. All of which we can be assured will continue throughout our lives because we will find sometimes our fiercest fighting, our hardest battles, our bitterest conflicts 
actually come in our latter years. Why? As I mentioned this morning, because he doesn't want us to end well. So a good soldier is someone who is diligent in finding, fighting the enemy. But lastly, a good soldier is also someone who is determined to finish well in the conflict. To finish well requires stamina. Now when you join the army, they work on your fitness. And by the time you finish your training, you're certainly in better shape than when you joined. And then they keep you in shape throughout your army days. All of which helps when the going is tough and the situation is hard. But likewise, as Christian soldiers, we need to keep in shape ourselves. What can help us to keep in shape? The Word of God. The Spirit of God, obviously, applying the Word to us. And even the people of God, believe it or not. It's one another that helps us to grow and um, to learn things in our faith. Without the people of God, we would be the lesser people than we are. Again, it all helps us to persevere. And as a Christian soldier, we need to persevere. It was, uh, again, a quote in a lot, C.H. Spurgeon, he made that famous quote, he said, it was by perseverance that the snail reached the ark. Kept going, didn't he? Kept going to the end. And we need help to keep going. We need help to keep pressing on because the Christian pilgrimage is not easy. Let's get hold of that. It's hard. It's difficult. Why? Because we've got an enemy who never gives up on us. Because the world around us is always trying to squeeze us into its mould. And because the flesh within us, a sinful nature that we still have, is still a problem to us. So we need help to persevere. But we need... And we get help from another source as well, and that's from the grace of God. And that's what we remind us here in this passage. Firstly, grace, two things here. Grace helps us in our suffering. Now we know that suffering is actually part and parcel of the Christian life. And if anyone tells us differently, then they're lying and not telling the truth. Paul says here, endure hardships with us like a good soldier. A soldier needs to be reminded of the hardships ahead of him. Why? So that he doesn't give in and give up. Grace is given to help us day by day. Because, let's be honest, at times we can be tempted to give in and to give up when the going is tough. Thankfully, we have in Christ one who never gives up on us, does he? Despite our wandering and going astray, he always comes to us again and again. And he gives us the grace to help us to keep going and not to give up ourselves. But also, grace is given to help us not only in our suffering, but in our separation. It says here in verse 4, no one serving as a soldier gets involved or entangled in civilian affairs. Now again, you have to excuse me, when I was back in the army, I knew of soldiers who used to do what we called moonlighting. They did other jobs. 
But they would be in big trouble if they were caught. It was a court-martial offence if you had another job that you were doing. Why? Because they needed to be ready and available if called upon to fight. And likewise, you and I need to be ready always if called upon to fight. So what did Paul mean here by civilian affairs? Well, he, he was talking about anything that distracts us from the number one task of pleasing and obeying the captain of our salvation. Now, there are things that are not bad in themselves. But we have to ask at times, do they help me in pleasing and obeying my captain? So Christian soldiering needs devotion, needs discipline, needs dedication. Jesus said, didn't he, no one can serve two masters. And as a Christian soldier, we're reminded here, the need to be determined to finish well in the conflict. Again, all of which requires perseverance. And yet we know, as we saw this morning, we only persevere because God perseveres with us. And praise God he does. Yeah, one of my favorite verses um, that I come to learn uh, and memorize as a young Christian was Philippines 1.6. He who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. What God has begun, so he will finish. You and I are only here today because of the grace and the mercy of God. No other reason. So let's not forget tonight, if we're believers in Christ, that means we're soldiers of Christ. But are we good soldiers? Good soldier, remember, is someone who is disciplined and following orders, Diligent in fighting the enemy, determined in finishing well in the conflict. One person who was disciplined, diligent, and determined was the Apostle Paul himself. Listen to him as he came to the end of his life. And, and it, you find his words in, uh, later on in this letter in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He said, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will award me on that day. And not only for me, but also for all who have longed for his appearing. What a way to end. What a way to finish. One last illustration before I'm done. Recently we, had, uh, we were reminded, I don't know if you're aware of this, of the uh, 40th anniversary of the Falklands conflict. It uh, happened when uh, 40 years ago Argentina invaded the Falkland Islands and we sent a whole um, load of soldiers and navy down to take back the island from the Argentinians. A TV journalist was, uh, interviewed a, a British Army general at the time and uh, he said to him, will you win the war? Or rather, will we win the war? And the general said without hesitation, there's no doubt in my mind we will win the war. And he said, why are you so sure? And he gave him four reasons. Firstly, because of the rightness of our cause. It is just Argentina are the aggressor. Secondly, the superiority of our weapons. They're better than they have. 
Thirdly, the commitment of our soldiers. We're better trained and we're better disciplined. Fourthly, the demoralization of the enemy. They're conscripts. They have no desire to really fight. But is that true in the spiritual conflict? Now, we can't really apply it all completely. But the rightness of our course, well, that's true, isn't it? Jesus is Lord. He's our only saviour. Salvation is found only in him. He alone is our righteousness. Superiority of our weapons, yes, our spiritual, and they're given to destroy strongholds. What weapons are we talking about? The word of God, the spirit of God, and our prayer to God. Commitment for us as soldiers, especially if we're trained and disciplined, as we should be, can help us to fight in the conflict. And what about the demoralization of the enemy? Well, we know Satan is very much still a mighty foe and still at work in this world of ours. But he knows his time is short. You could say Calvary was his Waterloo. That's where he was defeated. His future is now doomed because of the cross. Now looking back on the Falklands War, we know the outcome. We won the war. Looking forward into the spiritual conflict, we also know the outcome. We will win the war. We don't always win the battles, do we? But we will win the war. I love the little story of the uh, caretaker of a Bible college. He was uh, uh, having his lunch break, Fred his name was, and the students uh, got to know Fred very well, and they, they saw him one day, and they said, How are you, Fred? Um, enjoying your lunch break and they saw he had a, his Bible open they said what are you reading Fred he said I'm reading the book of Revelation oh do you understand it yes it's easy tell us about it easy he said we win and that's, the prop, that's what we need to hold on to tonight our victory is in Christ alone 1 John 5 4 said this is the victory that's overcome the world even our faith you know, one last thing as we close. When I left the army, I handed all my army kit that you had to. You could keep some if you wanted to. I didn't, any of it. But I noticed that no one kept their helmet. You only needed a helmet in war. And as soldiers of Christ, we have the helmet of salvation, the Bible talks, to protect our minds. One day, you and I will swap our helmets for a crown, the crown of righteousness. What a glorious prospect where our salvation will be turned into glorification, where there will be no more Satan, no more sin, no more suffering, no more struggles. But until then, we fight on. And let me close with the words of the hymn that I quoted at the beginning. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This day the noise of battle, the next the victor song, to him that overcometh a crown of life shall be, he with the king of glory shall reign eternally. It's a lovely reminder to us, friends. No matter how much the conflict rages around us and within us, one day we shall reign eternally. May that be our comfort, consolation and confidence, knowing that actually we're on the victory side.